There is an unspoken rule up in the mountains that, no matter who you are, friend, bitter rival, stranger, anyone really, if you are ever in a pinch and come across another hunter's cabin, you're welcome to seek shelter there. Maybe it's unspoken because it's common courtesy and that whole do unto others thing, or maybe it's unspoken because there's hardly anyone to speak to. In the winter months especially, you'd be hard-pressed to see another soul for weeks, sometimes months. But that's the rule. You need it, you use it. No judgment, no questions asked. Just don't steal anything. Now, I'm not a burly, seasoned mountain man that flosses with tree bug and never shaves, but I do like to hunt. I often leave my small Alaskan village for weeks at a time and take to my hunting lodge up in the mountains. Now, I'm a fairly cautious guy and I know the mountains can be traitorous, so when I leave, I leave prepared. I check the long-term forecast, gather the necessary supplies, bring backups and make sure I've got enough of everything I need to survive for at least a week longer than I plan on staying, just in case. I always believe my precautions would protect me, but like a child's security blanket, they were only paper-thin illusions of safety. There's no planning when Mother Nature decides she's in a mood. That's why I never expected to get caught in a blizzard that day. It had turned out sunny and cold, but as the day progressed, a few clouds formed. By the time they'd amazed into a heavy cloud covering, I was already on my way back to the cabin with a couple of hairs hanging over my shoulders. I had named them dinner and breakfast. I was planning on eating breakfast for dinner and dinner for breakfast, if only to make myself laugh. It's the little things that keeps the solitude from turning into loneliness. The snowfall seemed to come out of nowhere like someone had knocked an awning shut and all the snow collected on top had fallen all at once. Except, it wasn't a single tidal wave of snow. It was an relentless, unending assault. Last time I checked, the weather reports hadn't mentioned a blizzard, and yet a blizzard was what I found myself walking through. It got very dark, very fast, and I kicked myself for leaving my flashlight back in my lodge. I had planned on coming home long before nightfall, so... I hadn't thought I needed it. I had been sorely mistaken. Snow prickled painfully as it darted into my eyes. I had squinted almost all the way to keep those sub-zero jerks from stabbing me blind. The wind howled as scales cut through my clothes and right into my bones. I could barely see two feet in front of me and I couldn't see the two feet beneath me as they sank in an ever-growing blanket of white. I'm not sure when I realized I was lost. At some point, I just knew that I should have arrived at my cabin, but all I saw was white with a few slivers of grey swaying in the thick breeze. The hairs on my back of my neck became stiff and battered against me with every puff of air and every awkward crashing footfall. I was running out of energy, running out of ideas, and I was beginning to panic. 
I could have spun around in a computer chair a hundred times and felt less disorientated than I did in that wide out. And then I walked right into a cabin. Literally. It had become so dark and the snow had become so heavy that I couldn't see the structure until I stumbled face first into it. I held my hands against the wooden facade so I wouldn't lose it in the storm and circled around it until I found a door. It wasn't just in a pinch. This was life or death. In the unlikely event someone was inside, I knocked on the door and waited for an answer. Through the howling wind, I could have sworn I heard, Come in. As I swung open the door and stepped inside, a small avalanche of snow tumbled in with me. I didn't bother trying to kick it out as I fought against the wind to close the door behind me. The relief was instantaneous. Without the air whipping at me, I'd put a stop to the time it ticking down to my freezing death. Thanks, I whispered. I turned towards the inside of the cabin and tried to get my bearings, but all I saw was blackness, which meant I had no real way of gauging the size of the cabin. Yeah, I had circled around it, but I'd been stumbling around half-blind, focused on trying to find a doorknob, so I had no idea what length of the cabin I'd covered. I could have walked half of it. I could have circled around three times without realizing it. Through the darkness, all I could see was the vague outline of someone sitting in the corner. You're a real lifesaver, I said. He didn't answer. I poured around for a lighter, a lantern, a matchbook, anything that might emit light, but all my fingertips touched were chains and barrels of hunting rifles. I stopped poking around when I felt an open bear trap. Wouldn't want to get my arm caught in one of those. It was safer to sit still and wait for daybreak. Suddenly, it occurred to me that the stranger might have been seeking refuge as well. So, I started, keeping my tone light and innocent. You're the owner of this cabin? The answer was more of a hiss than a word. But in that hiss, I heard a faint, Yes. I sat on the floor, let my hairs down beside me and reached into my pack. Why I had taken a sleeping bag with me and not a flashlight was beyond me. I removed my wet clothes and quietly slipped into the sleeping bag to warm up, making conversation as I did. Thanks again, man. That blizzard really came out of nowhere. He replied with the slow, labored, wheezy breaths of an elderly man on his deathbed. Dangerous. Yeah. I chuckled. That's an understatement. Hungry. He exhaled. You got a fireplace? I've got a couple of hairs. Uh, I'll cook them up. It's the least I can do. I offered. His reply was drawn out, like a wolf howling, but without the majestic hum. No. Okay. As soon as the blizzard dies down, I'll go gather some wood and make us a fire. Can you wait until then? I saw his silhouette shift lightly, 
There was a rattle of chains. No. Again, the O stretched out in a long bloated groan. No. Noise. The final no merged strangely into a yes, like someone drastically changing to a much higher note on a flute halfway through a breath. I craned my neck to look at the single window in the cabin. It was pitch black, pitch white. It was like an afterglow, visible against the black backdrop of the wood, yet still inherently dark. I focused on it rather than the rest of the cabin, because it was the only hint of light I could see. If you don't mind, I'm going to catch some shut-eye, I said tiredly. He didn't respond, but that didn't surprise me. Mountain folks don't talk that much, even when they come down to town for the few supplies they can't make themselves. I shrugged it off and sailed in for the night, but I felt something hard against my side. Sighing, I tossed my hairs back a bit farther and got comfortable. I was exhausted, so it wasn't all that hard for me to drift off, despite the wind song playing outside the walls. I hugged myself in my sleeping bag and drifted off. I was awoken by a different sound. A weird snapping crunch that made me shoot up in bed, believing the ceiling was about to collapse under the weight of snow. I braced myself, but as the sound came again, I realized it wasn't above me, but rather next to me, near my belongings. The silhouette was gone from the corner. I could hear his deep, raspy breaths accompanying the crunch. What the hell are you doing? I snapped. He retreated back to his corner with a rattling of chains. My adrenaline was pumping. I wasn't even sure why. Something about the stranger put me in a state of near panic. My instincts were telling me to leave, but I couldn't afford it. Whatever this guy was up to, I was safer with him than I was out there in the blizzard. I grabbed my backpack and propped myself against the wall in a seated position, staring at the silhouette, expecting him to make a move. I kept myself awake and alert, never looking away, even as the howling wind slowly diminished in strength. Once or twice, I felt my head begin to dip and my eyes begin to shut, but every time I slipped, the faint rattle of chains snapped me back into my consciousness. As the blizzard cleared and the sun slowly rose, light began to trickle into the cabin. The scene filtered through in tiny increments with each layer uncovered by the sun, like a printer slowly spitting out the full picture one line at a time. I wasn't in a cabin. I was in a large supply shed that was maybe 10-11 feet long, 7-8 feet wide. There was no fireplace, which makes sense for a supply shed, and there were tools, traps and rifles lining every wall. The silhouette in the corner slowly stopped being a silhouette and started being a distinct person. Skinny. No. Gaunt. Pale. No. Ghost white. Man. No. Corpse. Corpse. 
I was gutted. He was dead. Not, oh shoot, I died overnight. Sorry about that, dead. Long dead. Like, long, long, long dead. His body was all shriveled and mummified. Is that even the right word for it? He wasn't wrapped up in bandages or anything like that, but his skin was completely dehydrated and stiff like an unwrapped mummy. His hair was hanging from his head in unkept strings. His teeth were poking out from his shrunken lips with a wide gap where the top right cannon should have been. There was a stain of age-old blood soaked into the wood beneath him. I followed it by gaze to its origin. His left foot and the bear trap where he had gotten caught. There was an empty hook on the wall above him with a chain leading to the trap. It was long enough for him to move around, but not enough for him to reach the front door or the saw hanging above it. My best guess was the trap had fallen on its own while he was out and at some point he'd done a supply run in the dark and had gotten caught in his own trap. He'd probably died of thirst or something. Look, I'm telling you, he wasn't breathing, he wasn't moving, he was dead as a doornail, and he had been for quite some time. I sat there, reasoning. I had been delirious the night before. The fatigue, the dehydration, the disorientation caused by the blizzard, it made me imagine his voice. Those slow hissing sounds I thought were replies were just the wind outside. I had interpreted them wrong because the loneliness had finally gotten to me. The elements had conspired against me to create a living person out of someone who definitely wasn't living. It was a good, logical explanation. And I wish I could say it was true. Because I'm not the one who bit the head off of breakfast. It's not my cannon tooth I found on the floor next to me. My dry, dirty wood-like fingernails aren't the ones sticking out of the outside of my sleeping bag. I'm not the one who caked the corpse dry, cracking lips with white fur. Naturally, I didn't stick around for dinner.